A minister of a church tells of a time when he was preparing his sermon. And as he was in a study at home, his little daughter came in and said, Daddy, it's time to play. And the minister said, oh, I'm sorry, love, I'm in the middle of this sermon. How about in an hour I take a break and then we can play? And the little girl seemed quite happy with that and said, OK, Dad, but when you're finished, I'm going to give you a great big hug. And the father smiled and says, I look forward to that. And then she walked out towards the study door. And then in his own words, the father says this, my daughter did a U-turn and came back and gave me a chiropractic bone-breaking hug. And he laughed and said, sweetheart, you said you were going to give me a hug after I had finished my work. And she said, daddy, I just wanted you to know what you had to look forward to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we celebrate this Advent season, you are giving us the biggest hug and we have more to look forward to. In Jesus' name. You see, Advent is all about waiting, but it's a double waiting. It's like that double hug for we are waiting for the Son of God at Christmas and most of us understand that, but Advent is also waiting for Jesus' return. Christmas is the taster, Christ's return is the main course. Advent is waiting for the coming of Jesus at Christmas, but also when he comes again. I could have called this sermon the double coming of Jesus or even a tale of two hugs. Advent, we prepare for the coming of Jesus, but we keep an eye out, not just for Christmas, but for his return. So this morning, we're going to see how we can wait the best that we can. We're going to briefly look at how we wait for Christmas and then spend a bit more time unpacking what it means to wait for Jesus' second coming and then we'll pull this together with some implications. Advent, first coming. What are we waiting for? Well, it's the nativity story. At Advent, we wait and we know about the unexpected and impossible pregnancy. We remember the difficult trip to Bethlehem with no room at the inn, and we're familiar with the angels singing, the shepherds seeking, the Christ star shining, and the wise men worshipping. And finally, at Advent, we remember the helpless babe, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. He is here, and it's his first coming. And as we go through this Christmas season, we pause and reflect and prepare our hearts to receive Christ again at that first Christmas. We wait for the birth of Jesus and that first Advent. But Advent, we also keep our eye out for the second coming of Jesus. Jesus will come again. Well, what will that look like? Will Jesus come as a wee baby or as a man? Or how will Jesus come? And this is such a huge topic. And so I'm going to briefly paint some broad strokes about how we look for Jesus to come a second time. And my go-to passage whenever I think about Jesus' coming is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. From verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and the command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, we who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 
So why is this passage my go-to passage when I think of the second coming? Well, because 1 Thessalonians is the first book that was written in the New Testament. It's the earliest book. Now, many people are surprised by that. They think the Gospels were written first. They weren't. They were written after most of Paul's letters. So most scholars agree that when you're reading 1 Thessalonians, you are reading the first New Testament book that was written. And in those five chapters, each chapter has a very clear reference to Jesus coming again. So this is why it's my go-to passage whenever I think of the coming of Jesus. So what does it actually say? Well, Paul is drawing on a well-known custom of the day. You see, it was through the Roman Empire. If a king was coming to visit a city, then everybody in that city knew what they would do. This is what happened. When a king came to visit a city, especially after a mighty battle, as he approached, the watchmen on the walls would see and they would sound a special trumpet blast. And the city inhabitants would drop everything and flood outside and go to run even towards the king and his entourage and they would welcome him. And they would sing his praises, they would shout for joy and they would say how blessed they were that the king was coming to their city. And then what would happen is that all the citizens would then form a parade and welcome the king into the city. So, if Caesar, the emperor of the Roman Empire, decided to visit Thessalonica, it would be announced. Now, because they didn't have cell phones and modern communication, you couldn't say that Caesar was going to come on this particular date and be sure of it. They just knew within a week or two that Caesar would be coming or some other important king. So they would put watchmen on the walls with keen eyes and the trumpets. And when they saw the king or the Caesar coming, they would sound the trumpets. Meanwhile, for a week or two, all the inhabitants would be going about their daily business. The children would be going to school. And I bet each day they think, I hope Caesar comes in the middle of my mass lesson. Because the trumpet would sound and they would drop tools and they'd go everywhere. The merchants, trading and selling, construction sites, farming, whatever. When they heard the trumpet, they knew they would leave the city, go out, welcome the king, and they would celebrate. And this is exactly the image that Paul is using here. He is saying when Jesus comes again, there will be a trumpet sound, but it will be a heavenly trumpet sound. And then what will happen is you will see Jesus come from the heavens, and those that are already dead will be with Jesus, and those of us alive will be taken up to Jesus. And then we will celebrate and come down with Jesus to the city. I mean, that's the image that Paul is using. Jesus returning as a conquering king. And do you know this is modeled in the Bible? We can see exactly this, though on a smaller and more humbler scale. Now, can you think of when this has happened before? Palm Sunday. So what happens? Jesus the king, not a conquering king, but a humble king, is coming on a donkey with his entourage, with his disciples, and what happens? The people in the city of Jerusalem find out, they hear that Jesus is coming, and they rush out, and they celebrate, and they sing Jesus' praises, Hosanna, Hosanna, to who comes in the name of the Lord. And then they accompany Jesus back into the city with celebration. 
And this is how Jesus will return. Just think of Palm Sunday. And this is the image that Paul's drawing on here. So in the first advent, we see Jesus coming as a baby. The second advent, we see him coming as a conquering king. With all his people, Those all Christ followers through the ages will be with him and all those alive will join them and they will come down to earth as he sets up his kingdom. And so, this advent, we look for Jesus coming as a baby, but we keep an eye out for him coming again. Let's just spend a a few moments just digging a little bit deeper. What's the same between these two advents, between these two comings? Well, the first thing that's the same between his first and second coming is it's the same Jesus. He came as a baby. He comes next time as a resurrected man. The Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. The coming of Jesus the first time was so that Jesus could be with us. And by his Holy Spirit, we have Jesus with us 24-7. But when Jesus comes again, we will have his presence in a more fuller and wonderful way. It's the first thing that's the same. Same Jesus. Second thing that's the same is it's the same plan. What do I mean by that? The plan. Well, God intended way back in Genesis that Adam and Eve and all their children would to be God's daughters and sons. However, since Genesis 3.15 and the fall, sin and death ruled over us. Sin and death needed defeating, we needed rescuing, and God had a plan. And Jesus' coming the first time was key to that plan. His death and resurrection was key to that plan. And Jesus coming again is also key to that same plan. That's the next thing that's that's the same. The third thing that's the same, same Jesus, same plan, is all of this is foretold in Scripture. So when you go through the Old Testament, you can see all these scriptures that point to Jesus' first and second coming. And, of course, in the New Testament, we have lots of scriptures that talk about Jesus' second coming. There's these hints and clues and encouragements that we see in the Bible to help us live in a world that is troubled and chaotic. And when we say to ourselves, oh, it's just so hard, whether we're suffering with a health issue or a relationship um, breakdown, whatever, or just life's hard and we're struggling. These are encouragements are to let us know that it won't always be this way, that Jesus will come again. So that's what's the same. Same Jesus, same plan, lots of verses in the Bible to encourage us about both comings. But what's what's different? Well, the first thing is when Jesus came at Christmas, he came up to set a new age. Before Jesus came, only Jewish folk could be God's people. But when Jesus came, now anyone who believes in him, who asks Jesus into their heart to be their Lord and Saviour, can have new life, be born again. But when Jesus comes again, he will be finishing all of the ages and all of time. So that's what's different. Jesus came the first time to set up the kingdom of God. And when he comes again, all of the previous ages will be finished and the kingdom of God will be here in its fullness. The second difference is that the first time Jesus came, he came humbly as a baby for our salvation. So salvation is the key word for Jesus' first coming. Jesus in uh, the Greek means God saves. Jesus in the Greek means God saves. Jesus came to save us. When he comes again, he will not come so much to save as to judge. 
He won't come humbly, he will come in his power. And so no one really knew who Jesus was, apart from really Mary and Joseph, and they didn't really kind of understand. But when Jesus comes again, everybody will see him as the Son of God. And the final difference, the most wonderful difference is we weren't there at the first coming, but we will be there when Jesus comes again. None of us were there when Jesus was born in the stable. Some of you feel we might be sitting next to someone who was old enough to be there, but none of us were. But when Jesus comes again, if you have Christ in your heart, if he's your Lord, you will be there. And you will be celebrating and singing and welcoming him with great joy, shoulder to shoulder with all of the other Christ followers that have gone before us and are with us. What a wonderful difference. What a celebration it will be. And this brings us to the implications of Advent. How do we wait? Well, first of all, we wait expectantly. We kind of wait like Mary, who was pregnant, and she was very keen to have the baby born, I'm sure. And every mum and dad who is expecting a child waits eagerly, don't they? And they redecorate the nursery or the special bedroom, and they get the, they arrange the baby furniture, and they buy the special clothes, And they wonder and they ponder and they pray and they share with friends and they wait expectantly for the coming of Jesus and so do we. Or we are like the citizens of Thessalonica who are waiting for their king to come and we go about our daily business just like they were, going about their daily business but ready to drop everything to meet our dear Lord Jesus when that heavenly trumpet sounds. And so, you know, whether we're going to school or in the marketplace or wherever we are, Just like the citizens in Thessalonica, we keep an ear out for that trumpet, an eye out for the coming of Christ. So we hold lightly to our busyness, to our bank accounts, to our buildings, to our projects. We hold lightly to these because we know that we might need to drop them all, the drop of a hat, to be with our Jesus. The second thing is we live lives worthy preaching through the book of Ephesians at the moment and the last three chapters, the second half, starts with live a life worthy of your calling. And those whole three chapters are encouragement for us to do exactly that. How do we live lives worthy? Well, by trial and error, by reading God's word, to to listening, to good teaching, to learning from others, we learn how to live a life worthy of the newborn king, Jesus, who gave up his glory, who gave up his power, his everything to be a helpless babe. How do we live a life worthy to serve him? How do we live a life worthy to serve him who will come as judge and will put all things right and all injustice will be sorted and he will reign? How can I live my utmost for his highest now? because I serve not only a saviour who rose from the dead, but a judge who will rule and come again. So Advent, this Advent, children and adults, as we start thinking about putting the Christmas tree up and the decorations and the gifts, as we celebrate today, Advent's always about looking to the coming of Jesus and the wonderful celebration on Christmas Day. But as we do that, We remember that Christmas is just the first hug and that when Jesus comes again will be the second hug.
Fortunately, our Heavenly Father is not stingy. He gives us lots of uh, expressions of affection in between. But this Christmas, as we open the presents under the tree, keep an ear out for a trumpet and an eye out for the King of Kings who may return at any time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're starting to get excited about Christmas. Decorations are up and people are starting to talk about it. We have celebration today. Help us to keep it focused on the baby Jesus, to know that he is the reason for the season and keep our ear open for that trumpet and our eye for the coming of the glory of the Lord. May we live lives worthy of the calling we've received. May we be expectant of good things and blessings in our lives. We look to you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you.